I know you've heard this before, but we were walking down the hospital hall to visit someone there. T.C. Thompson. Never forget it. Walking down the hall, and a little girl was walking down the hall. She rode our buses, and I happened to know her name. And uh, her and her mother walked down, and we greeted her and called her by name, and she hugged us, and we talked to her there for a few minutes, and she was so excited. And I'll never forget, as she walked away, I heard her tell her mommy. She jerked on her mommy's arm, and she says, Mommy, Mommy, she said, they knew my name. And I'm nobody, but I'm glad he knows my name, amen, and he knows yours, and so thank you for being here this morning, and uh, we hope the service has already been a great blessing to you, but now it comes to the time, the preaching of God's word, and uh, we want to do our very best to be an encouragement to you, so if you would, open your precious Bible this morning to the book of 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel chapter 1. Now, as you're turning there, all of you know if you've been... Here on Sunday for any time at all, we've been going through the life of David. Uh, We just uh, started uh, several months back. We preached through the whole book of 1 Samuel, or actually from chapter 17 all the way through. Now we're in 2 Samuel, and we've not tried to skip anything. We've just been preaching, and uh, we've been talking about David, and of course looking at what God's Word says. And today I want to read uh, a little bit lengthy here. But to get the context, now quickly, as all of you know, uh, David has been anointed king. Uh, He's not been able to be king yet. He's been running as a fugitive. The reigning king, Saul, uh, we know, was jealous of David. And so he spent the rest of the part of his life trying to hunt David down and kill him. We've preached on all of that. Now we know that in the midst of all of this, David killed a Goliath. He killed the giant. Uh, He played the harp for Saul. There's been so much uh, adventure, so much amazing things that we've covered. We've talked about how David has spared Saul's life twice. We've read all of the mistakes and the sin that David has committed in the last few weeks. Now we're at a place where there's really a new beginning. We find here in this passage of scripture that we're going to read today where King Saul uh, has been killed in the very last chapter of 1 Samuel. Now this is the time and the chapter that David hears about the death of his nemesis Saul. So we're going to pick up reading here in verse number 1. If you'll follow along with me. And let's let the Bible come to life. Let's let it come to life. Let's see it in our mind's eye. Saul and Jonathan has been slain. The Israelites have been defeated. Now this young man is running and coming and telling... Uh, king, or to be King David, that Saul has been killed. Now you would think, as you're thinking about how King Saul has chased David, you would imagine David would be relieved. He would be thankful. Wouldn't you feel that way? But I want you to notice what we're going to find here in chapter 1 of how David responded. The Bible says, Now it came to pass, after the death of Saul, When David was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had abode two days in Ziklag, it came to pass on the third day that, behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. And David said unto him, From whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel, I Am I escaped? And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, 
that the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am a Malachite. He said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish has come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm, and it brought them hither unto my Lord. Now this young man's lying. We know based on the previous chapter that this man did not kill Saul. Saul took his own life. But this young man thought, now I'm in the presence of David. I've got to come up with this story and let him know that I'm on his side, that I actually took care of his nemesis, that I murdered the man that's been chasing you like an animal, David. Let's see how David responds. Verse 11, Then David took hold on his clothes and ripped them. And likewise, all the men that were with him, and they mourned and wept and fasted until even. For Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they were fallen by the sword. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger and a Malachite. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth has testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. Verse 17, And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away. The shield of Saul as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives. And in their death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Old Jonathan now was slain in thy high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me, think of this, was wonderful, passing the love of, a, of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war 
perished. Heavenly Father, again, we ask you to do what only you can do. Use your word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Quite an event. Seems like all of us reading this, if you know the life of Saul and David and how much Saul hated David and how he went to great lengths to kill David, you would think that when he got this news, and obviously the young man thought that he would receive this news, that he would treat the young man like a hero because he had just killed David's enemy. But what he did not realize, he did not know David very well. This young man obviously did not know that God had said about David that he was a man after God's own heart. And I want you to know when we look at the life of David, it was not that he was perfect. We all know that he had sinned and had created some, I mean, heinous sins. And we looked at all of them. But we also know that God is still using him. By the way, that's an encouragement to me because I know this. God only has crooked sticks to use. Amen. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We're all born in sin. We're all helpless and hopeless without God. But yet I'm glad we have a God in heaven that loves us anyhow. And we see in this passage of Scripture, it seems a little out of character for, especially in this culture, because we're taught, well, I'll tell you right now, if somebody does that to you, you get them back. You would think in this passage, David would be excited that his enemy was dead. We see the exact opposite. Why? I believe the key is this. David was a man after God's own heart. So therefore, because, and by the way, that's not my assessment of David. That's what God himself said about David, that he was a man after his own heart. Now, when I was a boy, I used to think about that phrase. And what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, what that phrase means is David was literally after God's heart. He wanted to be just like God. By the way, a Christian is, is that. The name Christian has Christ. We are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. It's a sad day. We live in a day where Christians don't have a lot of power because sadly, I'm afraid to say to you that many people will never become a Christian because of Christians. But the Bible tells us that we as Christians, once we trust Christ as our Savior, we should live to be like the one who saved us. To be conformed to the image of of his son. But I see the answer here. The Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. So we understand a little bit more why he responded the way he responded. See, the life, the death of Saul meant a new life for David. David's been hiding, he's been, he's been running, but those days are over. Soon he's going to be anointed king. And you would think that he would, he would respond like all of us. Whew, thank the Lord. I'm glad my enemy is gone. But he did not respond. That way. And I believe the answer again is because he was a man after God's own heart. You know what I've entitled this message? I believe David in this passage of scripture displayed beautiful, perfect, pure love. And I've just made, I've titled this message, Loving Like God Does. Loving like God does. I want you to think about this. Remember, he was a man after God's own heart, so therefore, he wanted to love like God. Now listen, I know this is strange today. I know what I'm preaching about this morning. Most people out in the world would not understand it. That's okay. Because I hope that we're speaking to some people here this morning that you too, as David, has a heart after God. 
And if we're wanting to have our heart chase after God's heart, then we're going to let Him work in our hearts and our lives to help us love like He does. And I believe we see a beautiful picture here. Can I just pull out a few things in this passage that I believe David shows us how he loved like God does? Number one, I learned something about this love in this passage. Love grieves. Love grieves. I want you to look at verse 17. The Bible says, And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. He grieved. By the way, I've learned something about love. Real, true love. Listen, David was a man after God's own heart. So here it is. He loved his enemies. Now that's tough preaching. Maybe easy preaching, tough living, amen? Because it's awful easy for us not to love our enemies. I mean, for any less of a man than David, if that young man would have come to me and said, hey, I just want you to know I've taken care of one of your enemies that's been chasing you like an animal, you know what my first instinct would be? Hey, man, you're a hero. Let me feed you. Let me give you everything you need because you just finished up one of my problems. But no, David didn't respond like that. Why? Because he was a man after God's own heart and he even loved his enemies. You know, that's what sets Christians apart. We love differently. We're kind of those weird people. We're those people that people just don't quite understand. But I'll tell you this, people understand love. When they see the real thing, they know it's real. They know something is special. And I want to tell you something. When you see someone that has every right not to love somebody, but yet they choose to love that enemy, that's God working in their heart. We see a man after God's own heart. Why? He loved like God did because he's grieving. That's what love does. Can I say, as you become more like Jesus, as I become more like Jesus, I've learned this, as I become more like Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you right now, we'll grieve over some things. We will grieve, love grieves. Can I give you, look, we will find ourselves weeping over wasted lives. You know what breaks my heart? You know what saddens me is when I see all of the potential in the world and young people and I see them out here wasting their life. You say, does it make you mad? Sure, there's time that I get angry, but it, as a Christian, should break our hearts and we should weep over wasted opportunity and wasted lives. I'm thankful today we have a young man said to one of our men, he said, I just want to be on fire for Jesus. And man, he's going to follow the Lord in baptism today. And I want to say this, been a great encouragement to me. And I hope and pray that it will spark something in people's lives to realize there's something more to live for than this old world. If this is all we got, the Bible says we're of all men most miserable. I'm thankful there's a better day here after a while. And while we're living on this earth, we ought to be weeping and ought to be burdened over young people that's wasting their life. Can I say we will find ourselves more like Jesus. We'll be weeping over wasted lives, but we'll also find ourselves weeping over wasted lives. Listen to me. God has given you life. That is a precious thing. Life is a precious thing. You've only got one shot at it. Just one. What are you doing with your life? And when I see someone wasting their life, oh yes, I want my heart to break. I want to be weeping over that wasted opportunity or that wasted life. If we're going to love like Jesus, we're going to weep. It grieves. Love grieves. Listen, love grieves over broken friendships. See, the Christians are different. 
We don't just look at relationships. Oh, well, if that one don't work, we'll just find somebody else. No, listen to me. Every relationship, every person that God puts in our life is worth fighting for. Can I say, we'll weep as Jesus wept. Think about relationships at home, relationships in family. We were talking about the other day. God help us. I don't know what happens when death happens in a family. I've seen death of a loved one bring so much trouble and sorrow and bickering in a family. God help us to always think of that person more than what they can give us or leave us. I've told my parents, I love and appreciate them. And by the way, I don't want a thing from them. All I want is them. But when I see a broken relationship in families, and by the way, can I just speak to every young person here just a second? You ought to honor and appreciate and respect your parents. And they ought to know you love them. And you ought to always be telling your parents how much you love them and how much you appreciate them of how they've sacrificed for you. And I say, I weep over relationships with family when they go awry. Hey, think about this. We, we'll weep if we're going to love like Jesus. Love grieves. Let's think about if someone, let's think a family, a, a church family relationship that goes down the drain. That ought to make us weep. By the way, we're not going to have no church splits here. Because they say, well, pastor, what are you going to do? I ain't going to be here. I ain't going to pastor church where they can't get along. Somebody say amen. They ain't nothing important in this building that people are going to argue and fight over. Listen to me. The most important thing is people. People's the only thing that's going to live forever anyway. But we're going to, we're going to love like the Lord. It grieves. Look, we're going, to, we're going to grieve. Love grieves over straying ones, backslidden ones. I don't know about you, but how does it do for you when you've seen a a family or an individual, man, they were on fire for God and all of a sudden they're no longer on fire for God. They're no longer where they once was. You say, oh, i tell you what it does for me. It makes me mad. It ought not make us mad. It ought to break our hearts. We ought to grieve over the straying ones. Hey, what about our friends, our loved ones? What about the lost? See, if we have a true love for the Lord and we have true love for people, and by the way, you've got to get that in order. You'll never love people like you're supposed to love people until you love the Lord because not all people are lovable. So you say, Pastor, how can you love people then? Love the one who died for them. We've got to love Him. And see, His love will motivate us to love other people. Lost friends, lost loved ones, are we grieving over them? Love grieves. He wept. He lamented over an enemy. Why? He loves Saul and Jonathan. And by the way, God loves us. And the Bible tells us he weeps over us. Jesus wept. His heart was moved with compassion. Brother Nate taught the lesson this morning. And we learned in the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke, that Jesus stood over a city And seeing that city, he's seen everyone there. He's seen the smallest of children to the oldest of adults. And the Bible said his heart was moved with compassion. Here's what he did. He wept. See, real love grieves. Number two, if we're going to love like God does, we're going to grieve. Number two, love covers. 1 Peter 4.8 says this, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, 
For charity cover the multitude of sins. Now, you say, Pastor, are you giving us an excuse to be deceptive and not tell on somebody if they've done a crime? Not at all. It's not what that means. I know our churches have been plagued with things through the years. And people say, I tell you what, they cover up those things. Listen to me. If something is against the law, our church will never cover it up. But this is what this is looking at. Let's say it's your child. Let's say it's your grandchild and maybe they've made a horrible mistake. Maybe they've committed an awful sin that's embarrassing to you and to your family. Now if we truly love those people, that child, that adult, that lady, that man. I'm going to tell you what a church that loves, the people that love. They're not going to go out and run them down. They're going to cover that sin with love. Doesn't mean that we don't know what happened, but it certainly doesn't mean that we're going to go out and gossip about it. Amen? Love covers. Now notice what he did here. That's exactly what happened here. David covered his love for them. David's love for Saul who did him so much harm. Covered over a multitude of sin. So when Saul died, instead of telling everyone everything he knew, you know what he did? I'll tell you what he did. He said only what was good about him. Did he have flaws? Oh yes, Saul had many. David loved him so much that he covered. Can I help the church here just a second? That's a balance that only God can give us. Because you know what? Sometimes the preachers criticize. But I've learned this. When it's your child, you don't mind it so much. When it's someone you love, you don't mind it so much. But see, the pastor can't pick and choose. If we're going to be the right kind of church, we have to be right. Yes, I believe there's a time that there needs to be confession. Yes, there needs to be time that we know that there comes a time when there's judgment. But we let that in the Lord's hand. But we can be kind and gracious to people. I've been in churches where well, I tell you right now, get them up in front of the church. And I'm going to be honest with you, I struggle with that attitude. Why are we getting them up in front of the church? Well, we're certainly not doing it out of love if we're not doing it right. Somebody say amen. I've seen some preachers, man, it's like a notch on their bow. I tell you one thing, I disciplined so-and-so the other day. Well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm for church discipline. I'm for doing things right. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm also for the way Jesus does it. And I'm going to tell you what he does. He covers. It's not concealing a crime. It's not concealing something that shouldn't be concealed. Really, you know what it really has to do with? Forgiveness. That's really what it has to do with. When you love someone, you know they've hurt you. But you also understand that it could have been you to do the hurting. And God works in our hearts in such a way that we love that person so much. What do we do? We choose to forgive. See, David tells us another reason why he covered. I thought this was wise. If you read it, you'll miss it. 
if you don't pay attention. David tells us why it was another reason important not to say anything negative about Saul. He said it in verse 20. Look at it there just a moment. There's a lot in this little passage. The Bible says, tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Now listen to me, church. I'm going to make application to the church family just a moment. That's why it's so important that church members don't go outside of these walls or even inside of these walls and run people down. You know what? Believe it or not, we have enemies. The church of God, Christianity has enemies. And they love to sit back and say, Oh, I told you, they're a bunch of hypocrites. No, we're all sinners. David said, Look, I want you to be quiet. Did did Saul have some flaws? Yes, if anyone knows that, David did. But notice what he said. He said, Don't speak of it. If it would have been in our day, here's what he said. Put your phones up. Quit getting on social media and texting everybody's flaws. If you're going to use social media, use it to uplift something. Did you hear what so-and-so did? That's not what love looks like. He said to them, he says, no, look, here's what Saul was your king. He clothed you in purple. He was a valiant man in army in the war. He was fighting. He and his son, he didn't turn his back. He fought with his sword red. He said he didn't abandon you. He fought facing the enemy. He only spoke of what he could speak good. And by the way, we know that all of us have flaws, but we certainly don't need to maximize them. Wow, we got enemies. We have enemies. By the way, this church has enemies. Greater than our church, Christianity has enemies. And I'm not saying for you to conceal a thing that needs to be revealed, but I am saying sometimes we, we don't, we're not loving like we should because we're certainly not covering. I believe that's why one of the sins that God says that He hates, and that's strong language. He said, I, it's an abomination, Lord. It's those that cause discord among the brethren. By the way, everybody here working in any ministry ought to be very careful how you talk in front of other people here. I know over there on Wednesday night things can get frustrating. I know at Children's Church on Sunday morning it can get frustrating. I know on the bus we can get frustrating. Hey, but we better be careful because if we're not, we could be sowing discord and not even know it. You know what my mama told me years and years and years and years ago? If you can't say something good... Don't say it at all. Amen. Love covers. Love grieves. Love covers. Look at the third one. Love commends. I'm hurrying. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. There's a prescription on what we ought to be thinking about. If it's not true, quit talking about it. If it's not lovely, quit dwelling on it. By the way, you've got to train your mind. You've got to get really, really aggressive with your minds. 
we take prescriptions. My little grandson, our grandson has strep throat. Well, I know what's going to happen. He's going to go to the doctor today, and there are, yeah, he's going today, and they're going to prescribe him some type of uh, antibiotic, and he's going to have to take it. That's what the doctor prescribes to help him overcome a bacterial infection. God has given us a prescription on how to think. It's a prescription how to think. If it's not pure, if it's not true, if it's not lovely, if it's not just, if it's not of a good report, you need to get it out of there. You say, oh, Pastor, I can't help what I think. Oh, yes, we can. We choose to sit and dwell on it. That's, again, another reason why gossip is not something we should dwell on. Good things. Give me good things. Give me good things. Give me a good thing. Do y'all know who I miss? I miss Miss Linda Eller. Well, I miss all of our folks that's in heaven, but one reason why I miss Miss Eller is you never got on Facebook and ever seen Miss Eller put anything negative on there. She always put something positive. Would somebody take her place? I mean, it was never. It was never. I mean, every time she put something up, it was something positive, it was something encouraging. She was about commending. At the end of this difficult relationship, David chose what to bring to mind. His love for Saul that treated him so badly covered over this multitude of sins, but David goes further. He might have just said, well, I'm going to keep my lips sealed. That would have been admirable, but he did better than that. You know what he did? He told the people, he said, I want to teach y'all some things and I want you to teach this to your children. In other words, he said, I'm going to commend our King Saul. How does God deal with us? I want y'all to think about that because this message is about loving like God loves. How do you think he feels toward you? Do you think he's up in heaven going, I'll tell you right now, look what so-and-so down there is doing. No, that's not how God looks at us. He's commending us. You know how I know that? Look at Job. The very first chapter of Job. Now, y'all know as well as I do, Job was a sinner. Job had flaws. But you know what he said to the devil when the devil came by? You know what he said? He said, have you considered my servant Job? Who is an upright, a man of integrity, who escheweth evil. Do you know he was flawed? How many of y'all know Job was flawed? Y'all know Job had committed sin. You knew that he wasn't perfect, but what did God do? God commended him. By the way, it's the way you look it up. By the way, we're going to get to heaven if we've been faithful. You know what the Lord's going to say? Enter in thy good and faithful servant. A commendation. Listen to me. Our Lord loves and he commends. He said, well, pastor, what do you do when you're in a situation where you can't come in? I don't say anything. You say, well, all them recommendations that you write. Well, I'm glad that only the people that get the recommendations see them. Because I'm not going to lie on a recommendation. Sometimes from time to time someone will say, hey, I want you to recommend me. Well, I can only say what I, but I've never got on one of them recommendations. I'll tell you right now, don't hire this guy. Don't hire this woman. He said, Pastor, what have you tried to do? Well, I've tried to pick something out to commend them. Somebody say amen. Why? Love commends. 
You know what would revolutionize our hearts and thoughts? Could y'all think about all your family right now? How many of your family, every husband here this morning, can I say, you've not married the perfect person, but she's perfect for you. And ladies, the man that you married, he certainly ain't perfect, but he's perfect for you. And you know what I've learned? If we would focus more on what they do well instead of everything we do bad. Boy, you are quiet. Some of you ladies should say amen right there. Why? What's love do? Well, I'll tell you right now, I love them, but I'm going to take every minute I get to run them down. That's not loving like God loves. Love commends. Love covers, love grieves. I'm going to close with the last one, love heals. Verse 17, here's what the Bible says. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. See, David, the Bible said, wept like a child. And he was a man. By the way, he was a warrior. I mean, he was a man's man. The Bible said he lamented. And here's what he did. He said, we're going to use this moment and we're going to teach our people here in Judah. He said, I want everyone to be taught to use of the bow. Now, there's a lot of speculation why he said that, but obviously we know that if you read the previous chapters, Saul and Jonathan both was killed by the archers. But all I do know is that he was trying to be wise here. He was trying to heal. By the way, Love heals, it doesn't hurt. Love never bonks itself. Love wants to heal. See, David, in the way that he was handling this, he was ending, handling the ending of a very difficult relationship, but he was also wise. Because he was trying to heal the hurt of all the people that were with him, but he also realized that this was going to affect a whole nation. They just lost their king. And by the way, we're going to go into this a little bit later as we continue to go through the life of David. We're going to find there was division among the people, as always is. But love does not stir or cause more division. Love wants to heal. In other words, sometimes love takes a back seat. You know, my wife's taught me something. Obviously, through the years, 26 years of ministry, I have done a lot of funerals. And I've seen a lot of, I'm sad to tell you this, I've seen a lot of the worst come out in people. But early on, I was green as green could be coming right out of Bible college. I had no idea what to do with funerals. I had no idea. I'm glad I got to work with a pastor that was a great pastor. But I learned something early on. And my wife would always say it. She would say, you know, Mark, it doesn't matter what so-and-so thinks. It doesn't matter what so-and-so feels. The main important here is the person that has passed. And our love for them dictates everything. We want to do it the way they wanted it done. What's that mean? Sometimes love heals. It takes a back seat. 
Sometimes it's not, well, I just tell you right now, I'm going to tell them what I feel. No, love sometimes to heal keeps their mouth shut. Love heals. Love doesn't stir. Love heals. There's wisdom in that. Did you know who's affected by that? Listen to me. Our children. See, it won't surprise you to know that when Saul died, there were some people who rallied behind David, but some didn't. But David knew what would conquer the people of God would be love, not strife. You know what? The best news I can tell you this morning is we're going to fail in our love, but God never does. Can I give you some good news this morning? God loves you. He loves me. I can't understand it. I, I really can't fathom it because I know who I am. He loves me anyhow. And he loves you too. And do you know why I know he loves you? Because the Bible tells us that our sin separated us from God. We're all born of man and woman. Adam and Eve sinned. And because of their sin, sin passed upon every man, every woman. We're all born of man and woman. And so I know how cute babies are. But the truth is, all babies are born sinners. But here's the good news. Even though we're sinners and an enemy with God, He provided a way for us to become one of His children. And He loved us so much, He covered our sins with the precious sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he came. Love sent Jesus. You say, why? Well, because see, love, see, sin demands a payment. God cannot let sin into heaven, so what did he have to do? He had to pay for it. So who could pay for it? Jesus paid for it. And when Jesus came to this earth and went to the old rugged cross, He hung between heaven and hell. He was wrongfully tried, wrongfully accused, wrongfully convicted. But the whole reason he was there, the one that was innocent, was going to die for the ones that were guilty. And when he died, and he was put in that borrowed tomb, and on the third day, he raised from the dead. Listen to me. The the wrath of God was appeased. All of God the Father's wrath, instead of being rolled on all of us, was rolled on His Son. Jesus Christ paid for our sin. And the Bible says when we trust Him as our personal Savior, we become a child of God. I don't know about y'all, but y'all won't find a better deal anywhere. See, God didn't give a pass to sin. It had to be paid for, but Jesus paid for it. That's why this morning is so very important that you know Jesus Christ, your Savior. Look at me. I'm not peddling religion to you today. Religion has helped no one. But I can promise you, you can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It means everything. Amen? Amen. Let's, how about we love like God loves? We'll grieve. We'll cover. Hey, we'll heal. Command. Amen. I believe the world needs to see that, don't y'all? Let's stand to our feet.